Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight, and I have a co-host with me today, MJ Schwader, who is my business partner in a new venture we're going to tell you about later. My guest today is Fozia Burke. Fozia is the founder and president of FSB Associates, an online publicity and marketing firm specializing in creating awareness for books and authors. Fozia worked for Wiley and Henry Holt before starting FSB, and she's produced and promoted the books of authors such as Alan Alda, Ariana Huffington, and Deepak Chopra. She's a blogger at Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and Mind Body Green, and she is the author of a new book that we're going to discuss today called Online Marketing for Busy Authors. Welcome, Fozia. Thank you so much, Miriam. I appreciate that. That was a lovely introduction. I appreciate it, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, I'm really delighted. I, I wish that I had spoken with you years ago before I published my book, because your your book was a fascinating read. And I know that you've been a publicist for over 20 years. I'm wondering, how have you seen book promotion change over that time? Oh, my gosh, that's such a... Uh big question. I'll try to answer that. You know, I, in some ways, I feel like everything has changed. And in some, you know, it, in a way, it connects back to the story of why I started my company, which was the first time I saw the potential of the internet allowing people to speak directly to the consumers. You know, before the internet, that was impossible. We, we sat around in meetings talking about what the readers think and, you know, what the consumers feel. And, you know, it was just sort of just made up stuff. We didn't know. We didn't do market research in publishing. So uh, we really didn't know. And then I, you know, got online uh, in the early days of the Internet and through CompuServe and those early networks and started talking to people and realized that I can actually just talk to people. I can ask them what they like, what they don't like. And that sort of really is the change uh, that's been so fundamental in the way that marketing is done from, you know, before the Internet to after. And I just felt like, you know, there's no way we can go back to not knowing that. And I think from then on, every tool, every opportunity that we've gotten has just been about connecting, uh, you know, uh, readers with, their, with the, their favorite authors, you know, connecting them via Facebook or publicity or, you know, podcasts, you and me talking here, all these opportunities were really not, they've all come in in the last 20 years. Um, so I think it's really, it, fundamentally, it's about the fact that we have so much more access um, to people that we didn't have before, you know, on both sides, uh, from, for the authors to have uh, contact with their readers and for the readers to have contact with their authors. It's, it's phenomenal. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. what is the most biggest fundamental change. Well, your, your book is called Online Marketing for Busy Authors, and I've been in the business for, oh, I guess, pushing 20 years, and so have you, and I started as the publisher of a print magazine, and uh, MJ took it over um, later, and at the beginning, there were actually budgets on the part of publishers to promote the books of their authors. And I have seen this more and more being pushed over into the lap of the authors to deal with 
as best they can. Um, <laughs> and I wonder whether um, book promotion has kind of gone the way of online shopping. I mean, uh, people, you go into a lot of the big box stores and the uh, the inventory is down because more and more people are shopping online. So more and more people are definitely looking for information online. So I think your book is very much a valuable, totally valuable contribution to authors at this time. But it kind of leaves, um, you know, the, the publishers in an awkward position. <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> what we're dealing with. Uh, how do you how do you keep your pub, your uh, bloggers and your magazines sweet? Well, I, I'm going to go back to you know something you mentioned, which is so important, uh, which is the responsibility of the authors in today's environment. And what we're seeing more and more, as you said, you know, there's no real tour budget and, you know, a lot of marketing and publicity uh, staff. It's, it's not even that there's, there's cuts in them, which there are, but it's more about how much more is out there now, you know, uh, how much more uh, publicity needs to get done to really break through all of the information that out, that's out there that we're competing with. Um, so, you know, the in-house people in publishing houses, all many of them my friends, and I think they do an extraordinary job and they work very, very hard. It's just not enough time to do everything that they need to do. And so, the you know, the ownership of the author taking control of their own brand is not only kind of response, you know, it's not only just the, that it's the author's responsibility, but in my opinion, uh, I think it's, it's, the, it's the privilege of the authors to really have this opportunity to connect directly with their readers, build that platform, uh, build, come to the publisher with, and with, you know, resources, digital assets that they can tap into. And when I see when authors have that, you know, they're, they're definitely opened up to more opportunities. So they can get a book deal and get a speaking engagement and get a podcast and things like that because you're, you know, you're able to bring an audience to whatever opportunity you see. Um, so I think most publishers are delighted when the authors have a, sort of a platform of their own, um, and it does make it, you know, easier for them to promote them. It's certainly easier to book them because they have this platform. Um, and then the second, of course, part of that question is that, you know, what does, I mean, how do authors, I mean, really the reason I wrote this book is because most of my authors are just so busy. You know, they have a full-time mm-hmm. job, they mm-hmm. have a family, they've written a book, they, and they don't really like marketing. You know, I'm a nerd. I like marketing. <laughs> I like data, and I like, you know, I look at trends and all that kind of stuff. But most of my authors don't want to be marketers. They, that's not their sweet spot. That's not their favorite part. So, but that ship has sailed. You know, that, that part that, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. It's just not an option. So I tried to make the book really accessible for people with the understanding that majority of the people who are reading the book are not interested in doing the marketing. They know it's necessary. Uh, they know they have to do it, uh, but it's not their first choice. You know, it's not something that they really have time for. So I tried to make it so people could understand the uh, priorities that are worth doing. You know, there's a lot to do, and everybody has an opinion about what authors should be doing. 
Um, so I really try to tell them what's worth it, what's not worth it, you know, what's worth driving yourself crazy for and what's not. So that was sort of the mm-hmm. genesis of the book is really understanding that there's a lot of authors out there who really don't want to be marketers but have to be at this point. Absolutely. You start with talking about your personal brand. Why is personal branding so important? And what are the key elements that an author needs to focus on? Well, personal brand, in all honesty, I think, you know, if we get away from the marketing uh, lingo, it really is your story. It's the story of your career, and sometimes it's the story of your, you know, your life even. But it's really about how do we tell people what we're about? How do we tell, communicate with people about where we're going, what our vision is, where we've come from. It's that sort of storytelling. And if you do it well, then it doesn't sound like a promotional, you know, all-me-all-the-time radio station. Um, it can really be interesting because people are interested in other people and we, we want to know who we're communicating with. Um, so in the, in the basic sense, it's really about telling a story. That's, that's really building a brand. And then from there, we talk about what are the tools that you need for that storytelling. And, you know, obviously you need a website. Uh, for so many authors, they think, oh, do I really need a website? And I have to tell them, yes, absolutely. You need one place that's your home base, uh, that's the seat of your brand, that's whether you control all the content, you control all the information. Uh, and then you can build on that with engagement through certain social media, newsletters, uh, and then on top of that, you create visibility through online publicity or offline publicity. So it really is sort of a staged approach, in my opinion. You know, you have to make sure that your brand is uh, sort of uh, in the design sense, in, in how you represent yourself in design, whether it's a website or your photo or your graphics, that they all look professional and they represent your work. And then on top of that, you build engagement through social media, newsletters, that, those sort of things. And then on top of that, you build visibility, which is creating exposure outside of your network, you know, on different websites mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. radio show or TV show or things like that. So that's sort of the, yeah. that's what uh, I believe uh, personal branding is really all about. I was really impressed as I was reading the book at how applicable the advice you give is to any business owner, any coach, uh, you know, whether or not they have a book. Of course, right. a, a book is really, um, really important to their um, platform, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And it, I'm so glad you said that because I did have that in mind. Uh, my publisher even thought that, you know, maybe we shouldn't narrow the book title so much and, and try to be a little bit broader. But, you know, what I came back to is sort of my experience online, which is in some ways the more specific you are, the more targeted you are, I think the better off you are. You know, if I tried to aim for everybody, um, I don't think I would have been able to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So what we try to do is uh, try to be more specific, and since I've worked with authors, that's what I focus on. Right. Well, yeah, I've known your company for many, many years, and it's funny only now getting to speak with you, but uh, it's been it's been a pleasure working with your team. Thank you so much. And, of course, with your authors. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm so grateful for your support, and they've always uh, really enjoyed their conversations with you. So when I had the opportunity, I jumped. I thought, this is great. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you 
you say that the um, age of the generalist is over. So how does a person go about finding their niche? Well, I think in some, I mean, that's, that's a tough question because, you know, you, uh, I, in, in my opinion, I think the niche sort of finds you. Um, you know, I think we're all good at certain things. We sort of have passion for certain things. And those, when you start working in that uh, area, I feel like you're more in the flow of that, that work and it sort of connects you. So I, I don't know if I have a formula on how to do it, but I do feel that, you know, if you follow your, your passion and you follow the work that really makes you happy, then that work becomes your niche. You know, that's where you end up getting uh, sort of known for your work. And, um, you know, in my company, we've always been very focused on uh, online publicity for authors. You know, it's a very narrow niche, but we have deep roots in it. And it it's fuels us because we love the work. And I feel like, you know, we can stay on top of it. We can sort of stay ahead of it. And it doesn't well, one day <laughs> bore me or I think, oh, I wish I could do something else. You know, it's, it's something that really fuels me every day. And I, I feel like having that niche really give, keeps me focused. And there have been times, obviously, in ups and downs in businesses where you think, oh, I should have expanded or, um, you know, maybe we should have a more diversified portfolio or something like that. But I keep coming back to what I feel like I do best and what my team does best. And, you know, we write out the, the rough patches and come back to this idea that, the things that we really feel passionate about and the things that we feel we do well, I'd rather do one thing to the best of our abilities than try to do a lot of different things not as well. You know, there's a lot to learn these days, especially in the area that I'm in. Things change so much and, uh, you know, opportunities keep growing and there's, you know, new tools out all the time. And it would be impossible to just sort of do that half-heartedly. You have to sort of be all in. And I think when you're all in, uh, you're more successful. So that's just sort of my philosophy. And I just feel like, you know, trying to be everything to everyone is just too difficult. I think that's very wise advice. And I noticed that in your book, you had sort of checklists that people could go through and maybe write out their own um, preferences to narrow down uh, the, the potential niche that they could address. You also talk about figuring out who your main audience. That's, that's another tricky question. Um, yes, totally important. You, co you correlate the audience with the kind of marketing approach that you will take. Can you give us some kind of highlights on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there are times when authors will call me and say something like, you know, whatever the book is, it will appeal to everyone. And I always have to tell them there is no everyone. You know, there we have to come up with <laughs> communities. <laughs> Actually, I have this line that I tell people, there's no everyone.com. But <laughs> maybe there yeah. is, who knows. Yeah. But, um, but there isn't, really, there isn't a way to just talk to everybody. You have to, especially online, you know, we're all segmented. Everybody has particular interests that... They're, they're looking for. And, you know, you, for example, your own radio show, you know, you do these amazing shows on health and wellness and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so people know what to look for when they come to your show. And you build a brand around that. You know, even if people haven't heard this morning, I heard an interview with one of the authors in, uh, on your show. And, um, you know, I bought their book right from that radio station, the radio sh show, your, your interview with them. 
Um, and I knew that that's the kind of information that I would get from your, your shows. And I think that when you build that kind of brand where people have faith and trust in what you're going to give them and what you're going to deliver to them, um, it just it works much better. So for audiences, what happens is um, authors will think, you know, I've had these authors who said, um, I think what I should do is go climb on top of um, the Apple store in New York and, and with a bullhorn announce my book because that will get me a lot of publicity. <laughs> people will look around. People will search for me. They'll, they'll want to figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, it, it, sure, sounds like a good idea, but the chances – it doesn't sound like a good idea. I was being, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, the chances that your exact audience is going to be part of that group of people walking around Manhattan – at that particular moment and will be curious and not put off by your approach is just small. So if you were saying to me, and there was another author of mine who thought he should have flyers handed out to everyone who walks down Park Avenue by hot girls. That was his exact line, you know. <laughs> hot girls were handing out flyers about my book. People would be interested. <laughs> and again, it's one of those things that, you know, the, the idea that someone walking by is going to be your exact reader it's just not possible. And people do that online, too. I'm giving you two examples of offline ideas that I've heard from authors. But online, too, I had one author who asked me if I could get his book on Gap.com. And I said, the, the jeans company, like Gap.com? And he said, yes. And I said, why? And he said, well, because their demographic is perfect for my book. And I just had to tell him, I said, have you ever seen a book on that website? <laughs> you know, if they have never done that before, the chances that they're going to do that for your book are just slim. Um, so it's, it's important that once you figure out your audience, then you can really decide on what kind of marketing efforts would work. So, for example, if you were writing a graphic novel and you went to Comic-Con and you had hot girls or not, hot girls or hot boys, or no one <laughs> handing out flyers about your book at Comic-Con, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because the P every single person who's going to Comic-Con is probably more inclined to reading a comic novel than anyone else, um, graphic novel than anyone else. So it's just trying to be more selective in your approach. So when you do have those ideas, instead of thinking, you know, general audience, Park Avenue, anyone who walks by, to Comic-Con, you know, people who are interested in graphic novels and giving the flyers at the show, you can see why one would be so much more effective than the other. And this, we have the same approach online. You know, I, I've worked on books that are, let's say, for health disease, you know, heart disease. Um, and people will say to me, well, everyone has a heart, <laughs> and that is so true. Uh, everyone does have a heart, but you can't really promote to everyone in, you know, in every capacity. You really have to go promote it to people who are discussing health and uh, you know, cardiac health and really try to focus on the people who are actually involved in that topic, and then it can grow from there. But if you try to see, if you try to go for everyone, you actually end up missing you know, your most crucial audience. So that's why, mm -hmm. you know, really narrowing down your audience makes such a big impact because then you can say, okay, this is my audience. You know, what kind of TV shows do they watch? What kind of conferences do they attend? What kind of websites do they go to? Do they? And even in the demographic of your age group, you can decide whether this group is on LinkedIn or on 
Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. So you can actually focus your attention on the networks that will lead you directly to your audience rather than trying to do everything for everyone. And that leads us to the whole question of social media, which for people of my generation, it's the kind of thing that you know you have to do, but you do it through gritted teeth. And, only, yeah. and I have been to so many websites where you see a blog and they start off with three um, blog postings, one right after the other in 2015, and then there's maybe one in 2016 and <laughs> so on. So um, what, <laughs> what are the... What is the best advice you can give about social media? Well, I think, I, I think your point is really well taken. Most of us get really busy. This is extra work for all of us, right? I mean, I do this for a living, and even for me to keep up with my own branding is extra work because my clients come first, and when I have time, I can focus on myself, but that's, you know, and I know what to do. And for everyone else, that's exactly the point. So what happens is that, you know, when you have a new product coming out or you're launching something, a book or a podcast or a, you know, new, new service, then everybody's very gung-ho, very excited, and they will post, you know, blogs and are active on social media on a regular basis. And then sort of, you know, there's an arc to that, that launch, and when it starts to sort of taper off, then people start to lose interest and they go back to doing other things. And that happens over and over again. Uh, and my biggest advice to everyone I talk to is consistency. You know, it is so important mm -hmm. that you stay consistent because the idea that you can show up and ask people to commit to your new program, your new book, your new whatever it is, and get excited about it, and then you completely disappear. It, it just doesn't work that way. You know, if you think about social media like normal life, if you were treating your friends that way, you know, where you were communicating with them when you needed their help and when you needed their attention and then totally disappeared when you didn't, uh, you wouldn't have many friends either. So mm -hmm. it's so important that, you know, it doesn't have to be a very aggressive schedule. You can take your, you know, you can decide what, uh, how often you can blog or how often you can send your newsletter, do the best you can. Uh, there's no, you know, nobody sitting around waiting for your blog or your newsletter, so it's okay if you miss a deadline or uh, something like that. But just don't disappear. Don't completely disappear. Just stay as, as active as you can be. Uh, maybe write in and say, I've been swamped writing, you know, doing all sorts of research for my book, uh, and even share that research. Say where you've been. Maybe you've been traveling. Uh, maybe you've been in the library for four days, uh, something like that. So people understand um, what's going on. They feel part of the process, uh, not, not feel like you're only taking advantage of their attention when you need something. And then as far as social media is concerned, you know, the Facebook uh, and Twitter, LinkedIn, those kinds of things, what I tell people is just focus on two. Because if you try to do too many of these things, you just won't be able to keep up with it. Uh, pick mm -hmm. two that... Your audience shares, you know, you have an audience there, but also t that you enjoy. You know, some people love taking photos on their phone, and so for them, Instagram is perfect. I'm particularly not really that uh, good about that. You know, I completely forget to take photos. I, I'm one of those people who I feel like, you know, I, when I'm in an experience, I really want to experience that experience and not see it from behind my camera. Um, 
So I'm not really very good about taking a lot of photos uh, or constantly taking pictures or things like that. So for me, Facebook and Twitter is really uh, a wonderful way for me to connect with people, learn from other people, communicate. Um, and I've focused more on that. Not that I don't learn those other tools. I do just to make sure that I know what they are and, you know, I, I try to have a presence somewhere um, on whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or LinkedIn or something. But you do have to see what works best for you and what you enjoy doing. And if you enjoy doing it, some of my clients enjoy Pinterest, so I tell them to spend time on that. Yeah, yeah. MJ, we haven't heard from you yet. I wanted to perhaps introduce the subject of our new project because uh, Fazia, you're dealing with people who already have a book that they want to promote, even though you said that they should create their platform before they even uh, publish the book. And uh, MJ and I are just uh, coming out with a new website that we hope to launch this week. MJ, do you want to tell the world about it? <laughs> sure. Um, just a little bit of background. I've actually I've been a writing coach. I've been on the other side of the book industry uh, for the last 20 years. Um, one of the first writing coaches after the coaching wave came out, and um, so I've been helping publishers. I mean, I've been helping authors become published. And in that coaching, I've also in the last 20 years studied a lot of online marketing, and I coach them on creating their platform. So when Miriam and I started collaborating last year. Um, <clears throat> I was looking at that and, and invited Marion to join me. So we're launching a new website called uh, Platform Crafters. So we wow. take people from inspiration through the writing coaching, through the um, building of their platforms. So Marion, take it away. <laughs> yes. Um, so Platform Crafters is uh, what we're trying to do as our day job because – um, one of the uh, sad, bittersweet aspects of this show today, Fozia, is that it's going to be my last show on Ohm Times. Oh. And I love everybody to bits uh, associated with Ohm Times, but I've been working for free for too long. What, um, what we find, you know, both in the uh, magazine publishing and in the podcasting world is that the, uh, the publicists come to us with wonderful authors. And most of us in this business are really in it um, because of deep conviction and wanting to, to contribute to the world. And we find it very difficult to say no, but we really would love to get paid for our work. And that hope happens really so infrequently that, um, as I said, uh, MJ and I are doing this as a day job. That's so it's platformcrafters.com. Yeah. That's wonderful. I will definitely check it out. Congratulations to both of you for launching something new, if there's anything we can do at uh, FSB to help promote it, please let us know. We would be more than happy um, to help you in any way possible. You've, you've always been very kind to us and our authors, and I'm sorry that uh, you're not going to be doing You're so good at it, but I understand. Um, you know, the, the, I think that the sort of who pays for what has shifted so much in the last few years that it's become really challenging to figure this out, and 
Um, you know, my authors are asked and expected to do a lot of blogging and op-ed writing and, uh, you know, doing a lot of the work that journalists used to do, that they have to do now, mm-hmm. and they have to do it for free. Mm-hmm. So they're not particularly happy about that either. Um, and then, you know, promotional uh, opportunities that publishers used to pay for, they don't have the budget to pay for. So it's just become a, a sort of challenging environment to try to figure out who actually pays for the work. You know, there's, we've all been doing a lot of free work, and I think it, it's coming to a head for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned blogging, and you have a chapter called To Blog or Not To Blog. So <laughs> what is the answer? Well, I think, you know, there's definitely benefits to blogging. Uh, if you blog on your own website, it helps you bring traffic. People can do keyword searches and find you and come back to your website. And, you know, that helps your SEO ranks in a much better way than trying to just trick Google into coming to your website, which really, which is SEO, which doesn't really work long term. Um, so blogging really does help in bringing traffic to your website. It also gives people an opportunity to um, see what you do. So instead of just telling people what you do, you actually show them what you do. You share your expertise. You're, you know, you're sharing your resources in that way. And then, uh, you know, if you blog for other sites for free, <laughs> you do it because it brings exposure to you and it, br- it builds credibility. It brings traffic back to your website. So in some ways, you're saving money on advertising, but you're spending it on, you know, human capital work. Yeah. Um, and, and so for all those reasons, I think blogging is still really important. You know, where we go from here, I don't know, but I think video is becoming uh, a really important way for people to connect with other people and certainly their audience. So maybe we'll see more of video. Obviously, as you know, podcast is still very big and getting bigger. Um, so there may be other ways that we can communicate this information, but for, for the time being, because we're so dependent on search engines, uh, for finding us and finding our websites, uh, that we do need that text uh, blogs still. So um, I mm-hmm. think it's really mm-hmm. important for authors to blog, yes. So they put in so much effort, we put in so much effort to raise their profile uh, and their discoverability on the web. Yes. What would you say is the business model? Because very, very few, vanishingly few authors make any money off their books. How do yeah. they make their money? Well, I think uh, fiction is a little bit more challenging uh, just because, you know, people are sometimes they'll write a novel, but then they'll also teach a class or they'll uh, do other sort of uh, opportunity, you know, other ways to share their resources. I was at a conference recently called the Business Writers Conference, and they were specific about, you know, who they're targeting. It was business authors. And a lot of the discussion was about not just book sales, because, you know, we all know we're not making money on book sales. It was all of the other opportunities you can have, whether it's speaking engagements or uh, consulting or workshops or online courses or podcasts or something like that. So there was all these other avenues that the book opens doors for. Uh, I, I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit less for fiction, but even for fiction, I think I've seen authors who are, you know, they're teaching at local uh, uh, libraries or junior schools or senior schools, and they are uh, doing online courses and they're doing consulting work or they're doing what MJ is doing, which is editing and helping people get published. So I think there are, because there's this whole exposure explosion of 
self-published authors, the services that publishers provide now have to be outsourced, right? So these people are really building almost the entire team of people uh, and trying to get them uh, to do the same services that a publishing house does for authors. And I think that I've seen authors do that. You know, they've published their own books successfully, so they help other people successfully publish. Um, and I think we're all sort of trying to find our own way in terms of where, you know, where this, where, how do we actually make money on all of this? And for my own business, um, you know, the book sales have been, uh, you know, uh, 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 certainly haven't become a New York Times bestseller or anything like that. So they've been modest, <laughs> I would say, uh, even for me. Uh, and then, but then it's really helped my business. Because people who read my book and read my approach, you know, they either resonate with it and like how I work or they don't. But at least if they do, then they know how to hire us for our services. So it's increased my business that way. I'm speaking at a lot of conferences where they actually pay me when before the book, I used to have to pay for myself, right? I had to pay for my expenses and they didn't pay me to speak. But somehow once you become an author, you have a different level of expertise. So that has helped that uh, I'm also doing consulting work. So it, I think in a lot of different ways, I just did a workshop, a full-day workshop in person, and I plan to do an online course as well. So I think that, you know, it's just finding different ways to really um, share that expertise and share that information with people, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. And that's exactly why we some... moved into the platform. Uh, that was exactly, <laughs> exactly. why we are doing the platform crafters because that's what we're doing is helping people not only write the book but then repurpose that message into a number of different ways, strategies for both marketing-wise and uh, revenue generation. So that's, that's exactly awesome. what we're doing is yeah, helping yeah, that, that like, it Exactly like online courses um, and uh, apps, web apps and, and mm -hmm. so on. So, um, and I want to add one of the media training. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. um, Miriam will be helping people with podcasts, etc., too, as well. Oh, great! Yes, I was. You certainly have that experience, and I know more and more people are trying to do that. So, it seems like you both have very um, specific skills that you can bring to this enterprise, and I know that authors are looking for that, so I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to check out the website. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Now, if you have um, limited time and you're, you're investing in your book, you're investing in um, a certain amount of social media, I, I like the distinction you made between social media and social networking. So media is the posts and networking is the activity. It's all built on relating with your audience. I thought that was such an important message because so many of us, you know, um, are able to automate. For example, every time I post a new show, it automatically gets tweeted and Facebooked and so on. Right. And right. I realized in, in reflecting on this that I'm missing out on the opportunity of deepening the relationship with my audience. Right. And I think we need a hybrid approach. You know, there's no way we can all be living on social media. You know, we have lives, we have businesses, we have to make money. Uh, and so it's not something where we can stay online all the time. 
so we do need some things that are scheduled for sure. You know, if we can come up with ways that we can schedule certain things when you have a new show that can be scheduled, that's fine. Uh, but then you do, you know, some people just schedule things and then never check in, you know, never respond, never mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. anything, never retweet anybody else. Um, and that's not, that's not going to be feasible because it's not about the numbers. It's really about the engagement. I've worked with authors who have, you know, a huge number of followers, but really hardly any engagement because they have this automated, sometimes paid by, you know, uh, a PR firm or someone else mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. doing their scheduling for them, so they're not even involved in it. Um, and so there's no engagement. Nobody responds. Nobody, you know, they're not responding. It, it feels very one-way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that idea of understanding the distinction between social media and social networking was really a aha moment for me as well, Miriam, because I just thought, oh, that's how it, you know, this is how we can distinguish it. This is how we can plan things and say, you know, what are we doing in social networking and what are we doing in social media uh, to really give us a good, well-rounded approach to online publicity and marketing for ourselves. Um, And networking is really a one-to-one method. You know, it's you talking to one person and that person talking back to you and responding and, and engaging with each other. And if our attitude is that I'm talking to one person, even though other people are listening, it becomes a little bit more intimate. It becomes a little bit more useful. And then we still need a social networking um, strategy, which is what I say is a one-to-many distribution channel, so whether it's your blog or podcast or something like that where you're creating content and sharing it with a lot of people. I think you have to do both. You have to be engaged on a one-to-one level, but then you also have to do sharing your expertise and sharing your work with many people at the same time. It's such a new and rapidly changing world. It's uh, fascinating to to keep up with. Um, do you have a favorite social media platform that you use? I mean, just one, if you would recommend. Yeah, I would say authors should really look at the demographic and match that. Yes, and you have hints in your book as to which demographic goes with which platform. Fazia, what website uh, can people find you at? Um, my name is kind of unusual, so if they find my name, they should be able to find my website. It's faziaburke.com, so that's uh, F-A-U-Z-I-A-B-U-R-K-E.com. Uh, my company website is fsbassociates.com, so that's fsbassociates.com, and either one of them would bring you to the other one. And, of course, she has... An account at every possible social media site. <laughs> yeah, if you can't find me, I've not done my job for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, um, tell me about podcasting. Where does that um, rank in terms of your recommendations to authors? Well, there are two different things. One is doing podcasting yourself, so something like your, you know, being in your position, which is that you get a chance to mm-hmm. interview authors. And in some ways, you know, all of the interviews that you've done, you have contacts with all of these authors, and now that your new enterprise is really uh, more for author-centric, you have people who, who know you, you know, who spend an hour with you in being interviewed by you. So you have a little bit of a built-in audience. Uh, and connection with with your potential, you know, uh, customers. Uh, 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, even if it is free for some authors, there are other benefits to it. You know, there are other opportunities that networking opportunities that come from it. And, you know, if you get the uh, podcast big enough, um, then you get bigger authors. And maybe the next time you write a book, they're willing to write an endorsement for you and things like that. So, you know, although it's not a money-making enterprise for authors doing it, you know, doing the podcast themselves, it's a way to share information. It's a way to network. It's a way to connect with people. Um, the other benefit of it is that for some people doing a podcast, whether it's 15 minutes, 10 minutes, not interviewing people, just sort of talking about something that's important to them, it's easier than writing. So they feel like they can just do that and then they have content and that gives them another way to share their expertise. And then on the other hand, you know, for authors to be on shows, so being on the other side of the uh, channel, that's really important because, you know, People are pulling information to them and subscribing to podcasts that work for them. So, you know, you have many, many more opportunities to target an audience on podcasts versus like regular radio. Uh, Podcasts, you know, there are podcasts that are just for small businesses. There are podcasts just for startups. There are podcasts for people like, you know, that you do, which is spirituality and health and well-being. And so you can find a podcast or many podcasts for each audience, and if you know your audience and you can tap into that, then you're really connecting with 100% of that audience is your potential book buyer. So it's better to do that than trying to be on, in my opinion, you know, uh, some generic radio station where maybe two people, maybe four people are your audience, but everybody else is, you know, interested in something else. So I think on both fronts, podcasts have, uh, have benefits for authors. And I would like to put a plug in here for the Ohm Times Network because they are wonderful people to work with. They have a wonderful um, exposure. So if you're looking, if you're an author and looking to start a podcast, speak to Chris and Liani Buck at ohmtimes.com. That's so, oh, um, I'm going to miss them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at uh, some of the people that you have promoted books for, and I noticed Alan Alda. I was such a fan of his in the old days. Was he great fun to work with? Oh, my God. My, in my uh, over 20 years of having my own company, he's absolutely hands down my favorite client. He's just been a complete gem to work with. His third book is coming out this year. Uh, we're working on that one as well. Um, we've worked on the last two, which also became New York Times bestsellers. But he's just been a wonderful, wonderful collaborator to work with. He's he's just an excellent human being. And I have the story of the first time he called my office. You know, usually if I'm working with celebrities, their people called me, called their office, you know, their publicists or their managers or their agents or something like that. So my assistant came into my office and said, Alan Alder's on the phone. And I started laughing, thinking somebody's pulling, you know, uh, basically joking with me. Um, So I picked up the phone and uh, said, hello, Alan, thinking it's some friend of mine. And he said, hello. And it was his, you know, he has such a distinctive voice. (laughs) I said, oh, my God, you're Alan Alder. And he said, I said that. (laughs) No, I just didn't believe it. (laughs) So that's kind of how our conversation started. And we met him and, you know, have, have had meals with him. I've been to his home. 
And him and his wife, Arlene, are absolutely two of the most wonderful people on the planet. Uh, and it's really quite an honor and privilege to be able to promote their books. And um, he, so the first book we, we got, you know, we met as complete strangers. And when I finally met him for the first time, I was so nervous. I shook his hand and I said, I- I'm sorry, I'm so nervous. And he said, oh, don't be nervous. You're an expert at what you do. I'm an expert at what I do. We're equals. And I thought, kind of not equals, but okay. Wow, <laughs> um, So it was just wonderful. He put me at ease and... We had a wonderful time working together on his first book, and it became a New York Times bestseller. And, and then when his second book came out, he uh, called me and he said, would you mind working with me again? And I thought, no, I would not <laughs> mind at all. <laughs> so it's just been a wonderful relationship with him. And, you know, he, he's been very generous and, and kind and just fun to work with. He's a wonderful collaborator, wonderful collaborator. What's his new book about? It's called, if, I'm, if I understood you, I wouldn't have this expression on my face. So it's a long title. <laughs> um, and it's a beautiful cover. Uh, the, the, the cartoonist from The New Yorker actually did, uh, drew him on the cover. So it's a little bit of a cartoon on the cover. And it's actually a really wonderful book about communication and how we learn things and how we, you know, uh, communicate with each other. Uh, he has the sort of these tricks of improv, not comedy, improv, that um, he uses in, in ways to communicate with people, learn more about, uh, it, you know, about uh, how do we find out more information from each other. It's really wonderful, wonderful book, and he's a, he's a little bit of a uh, science nerd. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. He loves science, and so there's information in there on science and communications and, you know, just uh, ways to improve communication in all capacity, whether it's business or personal. Uh, so it's a really wonderful book and comes out on June 6th. Oh, I look forward to it. Yes. Um, I heard John Cleese, he was in Portland uh, just uh, last month, and he also uh, consults to companies on communication. So I, I think that's just perhaps a, uh, an indication that a bit of humor goes a long way in bridging the gaps yes. between me and thee. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I think so, for sure. It's wonderful. So we've got just a few minutes before the end of the show. I've been chatting away. Uh, MJ, do you have any final questions? No, you've been covering a great, and I've been learning a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more from you, Tatia. Well, I okay. Thank you, oh, I, I, I know I there was one more little... point. Sure. Oh, well, there well, was one more point I wanted to make. Of course. Sorry, I I just wanted to make one more point um, that I got from your book, and I think it's a very important one, which is that in this age of instant everything. Um, Consistency and long-term is the name of the game here. You, you can't expect instant results. Um, and my question to you, Fazia, is how long should it take to see results? <laughs> and what results should you be looking for? Right. Good question. And, you know, yeah, it is a really good question. And I, what I've seen authors really um, almost... Not everyone, because sometimes we get lucky. And, you know, one of my blogs, for example, on a site called Mind Body Green, 
has been shared over 47,000 times. I, I just, I can't imagine anything I would write would just be shared as much as that has. But, you know, I've also written a, a ton of other things that have not connected with people quite as well. So you, sometimes it, it happens very quickly and you see that result and you see people responding and tweeting and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then other times I would say that it's better to think about looking for a change in your um, sort of branding status about 18 months to two years. That's probably more realistic and probably more where you can really start to see, oh, look at this. Now because of this level of branding, because I've been consistently building it, you know, I have an opportunity to do more consulting or charge more for consulting or I can expand my business or, um, you know, I'm seeing more book sales or I'm seeing Mm -hmm. more people engage with me on social media. And all of that is good, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do have to make money. So what I've seen that the 18 months to two years is really about when people start to see more tangible results for their uh, effort. Right. Well, here we are at the end of the show. We've been speaking with Fawzia Burke about online marketing for busy authors. Um, Miriam Knight and MJ Schwader, soon from platformcrafters.com. So if you want to write your book and need some help, we're here for you. Goodbye.